0: Hey, I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Sarah. And And we're we're the the Stevenson's.
0: I'm a pastor to kids.
1: And I'm hopelessly stabbing a lemon with this paperclip, just praying this digital clock will light up. (laughs) And (laughs) this this is the the Kidman Kidman Creatives Podcast. Podcast.
0: Okay, so I think before we go any further, Sarah, we need (laughs) to hear about this paperclip and the lemon oh my
1: goodness i mean it's a real story it's a real story
0: (laughs) of an experiment
1: gone wrong which we will have the highlights edition later in this episode
0: so here's the thing sarah today is actually a very special day
1: oh is that because it's my birthday month
0: no something really exciting is happening today
1: oh wow rude I mean, your
0: birthday month is very important, and besides this being the month that you were born, today is the day that Brock Eastman's Faith and Science with Dr. Fizzlebop is launching. If, If you haven't listened to our interview from last episode, you should pause this one, go back, and listen to our conversation where we interviewed author Brock Eastman, who has an alter ego, also known as Dr. Fizzlebop, who has a brand new book put out today from Tyndale, and this book goes through tons of science experiments and we are going to talk about that book in a little bit. But today on the podcast, we wanted to talk about science in children's ministry. Why even use science in children's ministry?
1: That is a great question, Sean, which we will get into. But first, since we are on a topic of science, what are some of your top science experiments that have gone... gone horribly wrong
0: oh gone wrong
1: oh <laughs> i mean you could talk about <laughs> successful ones too we've had that might be helpful that might actually be helpful to our <laughs> listeners
0: only bad bad <laughs> science experiments learn but from us <laughs> i'm sure the the ones that went wrong are probably the funnier ones to tell <laughs> about so i mean there was the time we did an experiment about air and the experiment called for every child to have a funnel So, first of all, I went and found like every funnel there was to buy at Dollar (laughs) Tree. Probably multiple Dollar Trees. <laughs> yes, I think so. Let's be real. The Dollar Tree workers now know that I'm a children's pastor. And so they <laughs> stopped asking asking questions. But I had to buy all these funnels. And so we also had ping pong balls. And so the kids were talking about air and how air can lift things up. And we were talking about the <laughs> passage about will soar on wings uh, will soar like eagles, you know, in Isaiah there. On
1: wings like
0: eagles. On wings like eagles. Yes, that is it. We were talking about that passage from Isaiah. And so what the kids were going to do is they were going to blow on the bottom of the funnel with the ping pong ball in the top. So the ping pong ball would kind of be like floating in the air, quote unquote. However, (laughs) what sounded like a very nice experiment where we were going to have these ping pong balls floating off of these funnels, instead turned into spit wars. Oh, no. There was just nasty. (laughs) (laughs) There was spit everywhere and it was disgusting. And so I said, "Okay, that's um, that's enough of that experiment. So let's go ahead and
1: not keep
0: blowing into those
1: funnels at all. All. I think we all learned a good lesson.
0: The other experiment that went horribly wrong was most definitely the time that we decided let's make some videos for the children. oh my gosh <laughs> and we'll we'll just you know go ahead and film film soap exploding in the microwave. only here's the problem with soap exploding in the microwave people. if you use soap with a scent that scent will be part of your house for the rest of your life. (laughs)
1: Forever. And I definitely... Unfortunately for us... uh, at least a month of the pandemic.
0: <laughs> so I definitely had lavender smelling microwaved food for a little while and I was like this can't be uh, Let's healthy Let's go at back all. to
1: the part where you bought lavender scented Irish spring soap.
0: Okay. I didn't know it was not supposed to have a scent but now I know and I'm passing it along to you, our listeners so you <laughs> know don't use scented soap if you decide to do the microwave soap experiment. Maybe
1: also don't use your home microwave just tossing it out there.
0: Find that nasty microwave that every church has somewhere, <laughs> usually in the youth room. I mean, not calling out youth pastors or anything. Anyway, <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. But Sarah, I think you have a science experiment that went wrong.
1: <laughs> always always they always go wrong for me. I would say probably the most at least memorable <laughs> memorable <laughs> Sorry, I can't even get out the story. It's so funny. Um, We laugh
0: about this all the time. So
1: there was this one Sunday where I had the the blessing of being in the kindergarten class. Now, don't get me wrong. I love kindergartners. But Sean has this habit of, like, preparing materials that are maybe a little advanced for kindergartners. (laughs) And so that week in particular he had some kind of science activity i'm not sure what but it involved giving each child a paper clip and bending those paper clips into different shapes well at some point during the lesson time one of the kindergartners was like look it's a useful tool <laughs> and then all of the kindergartners were like holding up their paper clips and they're like it's a tool and then they decided to go running for the outlets (laughs) to see if they could use them on the the on the screws on the outlet covers anyway needless to say it was not safe and we we shut that down very quickly but but if you can imagine a little herd of kindergartners pointing little paper clips and think, running for the was outlets. Wasn't
0: one of the kids trying to lock the door with the paper Yes, They're trying
1: to pick the locks and all the kinds of things because, you know, they'd made a little tool, a universal multi tool. Anyway, it was it was entertaining and also dangerous. So yes. We, we ended that.
0: But quickly. we quickly said, All right, children, everyone pass your paper clip to Miss Sarah right now. Yeah,
1: we done <laughs> So as you can tell, we we do really love using science, kids ministry, but but the interesting thing is for a while, there's been this really interesting narrative in our culture about faith and science being at odds with each other. Like if you believe in one or use one, you can't believe in the other or use the other in any way.
0: Well, and the problem here is that faith And science have never actually been against each other in history. Science on its own has never been against faith. And the idea that faith and science have always been like these two warring parties is actually a myth that was created Mm -hmm. from two different books that came out in the 1800s. Joshua M. Moritz actually lays this out in an article that he wrote for Theology and Science called The War That Never Was, Exploding the Myth of the Historical Conflict Between Christianity and Science. Hmm. And so Moritz talks about these two books. One came out in 1874, and one came out in 1896. One was called The History of the Conflict Between Religion and Science, written by John W. Draper. And the other one was written by Andrew Dixon White, called A History of the Warfare of Science with Theology in Christendom. And
1: Those are very long titles. <laughs>
0: yes, but here's the thing about it. Both authors actually made up what they wrote about. Hmm. Serious modern historians have looked back at these books and said, where did they get these ideas from? These are actually not historical realities that actually took place. And most historians today will actually look back through history and say, science and faith were actually not opposed to each other. They actually worked together quite often and both of these authors actually kind of had a bone to pick with christianity for draper he was reacting to the fact that in his time there was a large group of catholic immigrants coming to america and his sister had just become a nun and so he decided he would write a book Blaming everything wrong with Western society on the Catholic Church. Hmm. And White, on the other hand, was reacting to the critics of the university that he helped to establish, which at the time was a little unusual, but it didn't have like a religious affiliation. And so, at the same time, he was competing against other colleges that had religious foundations, trying to get money from Congress. And because of these, he wanted to convince people that religion and science shouldn't mix. So he wrote this book arguing for this from history, but the reality is that history is fake. It's really fascinating. If you have time to read the article, it's super interesting. It's an easy to read article. But historians today across the board have said that this idea that science versus faith throughout history is not actually part of history.
1: So I think this leads to an interesting question of why does this idea still exist in pop culture? It's in lots of movies, TV shows, books, and you can often find in those kind of the story of a scientist pitted against a local pastor or like they can't get along. I think that it comes somewhat from these books by Draper and White that we have this idea in our society, in the U.S. at least, that science is at odds with faith.
0: And the reality is this, though. Science is part of the universe. When we analyze the way a plant grows or we look at the water cycle or we marvel over like gravitational pull from the moon that keeps our tides in check, you know, all these different things, those actually point us back to god and we look back at the god who created these things and came up with these ideas and we can say wow it's incredible that we have a god who created all that we see and thought up all of these natural laws and the water cycle and all these different things there's passages in the bible that talk about this too psalm 19 tells us that the heavens are telling of the glory of god In Romans 1, we discover that the whole of creation points to God. It's like this thing all around us that continually cries out and shows us who God is. We also hear in Colossians chapter 1 how Jesus is the one holding all things together in all of creation. So God is involved at every level in creation and continues to be. And every time we see a tree, we should think about the God who created that tree. Every time we look at the clouds, we should think about the God who created those clouds. Nature reveals who God is and God's glory so that we can look at the amazing world around us, even with its brokenness and its issues, and be amazed at the God who created all of it.
1: So I think this kind of leads back to my original statement, you know, that we love to use science in kids' ministry. But Sean, do you want to tell us a little more or tell our listeners a little more about why we use it in Kidman?
0: Well, okay, first we have to back up a tiny bit and talk about the ways that we discover God. There's two main ways that we discover God when we kind of like boil it all down. And that's through two things, one called general revelation, and the other is called special revelation. Okay, so that sounds kind of technical, so (laughs) let me just break it down really quick. Special revelation is like how God reveals who God is through the Bible. So the Bible is God's word, and when we read God's word, we discover more about who God is. The Bible's very specific, it's unique. It tells us the story of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how God has been at work in the world from the beginning to the end. When we read scripture, On one level, there is no mystery about who God is, the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer, the one who loves us so much that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us and come back to life for us so that way we could be forgiven and freed from sin and become part of God's family forever if we choose to follow him. And so on the other hand, though, Sarah, we have another kind of revelation
1: Yeah, so the second type is general revelation, which really points back to Psalm 19. When we look and observe and see the world around us, we see the laws of nature in things like the water cycle or how plants grow. It all points back to the creator who made it all in the first place and set the world in motion. And when we spend time discovering that universe that God's created, it points us back to the creator so we can say, wow, God is incredible. You know, one of the things that's really um, been meaningful in my life is the testimony of my parents. One of them came to faith through a combination of things, but general revelation was part of it. They were out in the woods hiking and they were just staring at this tree and seeing the complexity of it and thinking about how, how the tree draws water up from the roots to the top of the tree. And they were like, wow. This this didn't just happen like this. This had to be something. This is designed. This is incredible. So uh, to me, general revelation is just so significant.
0: You know, there's also, Sarah, been a growing trend in education on a focus on what's called STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts and math and STEAM education is an approach to teaching and learning that integrates science, technology, engineering, the arts, and math as pathways to help students and kids like think critically about what they are learning, to have discussions, and that emphasis has led to kids being much more hands-on with science than ever before. So my thought is, why not use science to show who God is through the world God has made, if we're already seeing who God is, when we look at a tree, when we see a plant grow, when we see how animals are you know part of an ecosystem and it all fits together, why not talk about that in our kids' churches, in our Sunday schools and talk about the Creator who created everything. In our children's ministry we actually use science experiments every week as a way to help kids engage with their hands as they explore the universe and one day we might be talking about the water cycle and then discussing the story of elijah praying for rain or we might another day talk about joseph's coat of many colors and use a prism to cast rainbows on the wall of the kidman rooms so kids can connect these bible stories that they're hearing with a scientific idea or truth from the universe that God has created. And they, every time they see that prism of rainbow color, they think of Joseph's coat, or every time they see it raining, they can think of Elijah praying for rain. And those stories come back to mind.
1: Well, and I think what I love too is that it really gives kids an opportunity to think critically and it mirrors what they're experiencing in their educational experiences too. So you know, when they do a science experiment, they can ask, like, I wonder why God did that. We, it just opens up lines of, of curiosity for them that hopefully will lead to them asking questions about God and really, you know, engaging. So,
0: Yeah, and literally what we will be doing is it's like helping kids think about God using nature around them, which mm-hmm. guess who also did this all the time? Oh, someone named...
1: Jesus.
0: That's correct. Like Jesus used parables about nature, pointing to plants and seeds and asking them about mountains and talking about the things that God is doing in the world by pointing to nature and using it as an example of how God works.
1: Well, yeah, I was just thinking about how, like, one Sunday we took the kids down to a community garden that we had at one of our previous churches. It was a great time to talk about the parables that Jesus used in nature. So there's just so many. I hadn't even thought about that with this, you know, thinking about science experiments, but that's really true. You know, we're really just modeling what Jesus did.
0: So, okay, here's a question then. So let's say you're, now you're convinced. We've convinced you. (laughs) Science experiments (laughs) could be really fun. Thank you for
1: coming to our TED Talk (laughs) on science experiments.
0: So now you're thinking, okay, that's great. But where in the world do I find ideas for this? well there's three books that i use all the time and these are the ones that i would highly recommend and there probably are more out there i'm sure there are but these are three that i love so the first one oh this book is one of my favorites it's called the top 50 science-based bible lessons and it's from rose publishing and this incredible book, we actually just finished last Sunday with our last, the 50th lesson, and I was very sad it was over because I thought, no, we finished going through this whole curriculum book with our kids during Sunday school, and now I have to find something else to fit in this time. I sort of want to just go back to the beginning and go again, but I believe in also mixing it up every now and again, so but I wanted to tell you about this book. So this book has 50 full entire sunday school hour type lessons that you could use in a children's ministry setting and it's specifically geared towards grade school age each lesson contains a memory verse an intro activity or a question like a discussion question and then it goes through the bible story and then it has a game of some kind and then it has usually three to four science experiments to try and it also has a take home page or you can use it at the end of your time as kind of like a waiting for parents and grandparents to come pick up their kids' activity? Every single lesson is based around a scientific theme, such as electricity or water or air, and the Bible stories are tied to that scientific theme in naturally organic ways that allow kids to explore God's Word and God's world simultaneously. And I really loved, when I looked at this book, at first I thought, Well, the science experiment's going to be like kind of a stretch, but (laughs) they really aren't. They fit so well with each Bible story that's chosen. And so we've, like I said, been using this in our Sunday school hour for the past year, and it's been amazing. We're now going to, like I said, rotate off of this curriculum for a year, but we will use it again for sure the other thing i love about this is that the material list that it has are what i call dollar store material lists (laughs) so like i talked about the
1: funnels
0: (laughs) every week if i needed it i would make a trip to our local dollars dollar store to pick up the supplies i needed and it was always something simple to find a few times i had to order something a little bit rare like really strong magnets off of a place like Amazon, but for the most part, all of the materials were super easy to get, and I often reused materials that I had already purchased, like the funnels. Oh, I definitely sanitized them, do not worry. <laughs> <laughs> they went in deep sanitation mode. <laughs> for funnels, or rope, or different experiments throughout the year. So everything in the book, it's fully reproducible. You can use it in your children's ministry setting, and it comes with step-by-step instructions that are easy to follow. You know, there have been times, Sarah, I've used other resources and the instructions are so convoluted. <laughs> I can't figure out what to do. And so I just gave up on them. I feel
1: like that's how it is with like folding. Any sort of like cootie catchers type <laughs> like church craft. I'm just like, I just can't do this. I
0: just <laughs> can't. Yeah, you know, the science experiments also worked. Although, I will tell you, there was <laughs> one that I did not get to work and that was user error. But I'll tell you about it in a few minutes when we get to our last section in today's podcast.
1: All right, so book number two is new Faith and Science with Dr. Fizzlebob by Brock Eastman and available from Tyndale Publishers. This is a new book that we talked about on our podcast last week that is a devotional for families to use. It has 52 devotions plus five bonus devotions themed around holidays and it is incredible it's it, it could go beyond being a family devotional as well you could totally use it in your children's ministry because every single entry has a science experiment to try as well as devotional related content and a bible story and discussion questions and a prayer prompt so it would be perfect to plug in and use in a sunday school setting or small group setting and you know it's great because if you're telling the story of noah for example and want a fun activity you just look in the book for the chapter on that story and then use the or devotional as part of your your curriculum for the week so it's very adaptable to that setting
0: The other book that I really love is called The Big Book of Science Fun for Elementary Kids from David C. Cook. And this is just another great book full of individual science experiments you can use in your children's ministry. They're more individual, just one experiment. It's not like going to fill an entire Sunday school hour or a kid's church. But you can use this to teach a specific Bible story if you need an object lesson for it or a Bible passage. I often will go to it to see, hey, is there an experiment in this book on the story of Jacob and Esau at all? And then I'll go look in the back. It has a little index of Bible verses and passages that it relates to. And so I'll go look and see, okay, is there one about that and find that experiment and use it. They're more focused like an object lesson that someone could do up front rather than kids all doing an experiment out in the crowd, but you could have some of them the kids could do on their own with some guidance from a leader. There's 60 different experiments in the book and they all give you a supply list, discussion questions, and a really detailed how-to section so you know exactly how to perform the experiment. And it also gives you little like facts behind the science. So you can talk to the kids about here's how the science works and it's definitely a book that i would recommend having on your shelf
1: okay sean so i feel like we've talked a lot about why science why to use it and integrate it into your children's ministry and we've talked about some resources but i think it may help our listeners to also learn how to not be like us (laughs) so maybe some what are some tips for you know doing science experiments in kids ministry
0: yes so we have five tips for you number one Plan to practice. This I cannot stress enough. You should try the science experiments ahead of time on your own. Don't just go into it without having tried it because if you do, I guarantee you might get a little confused or maybe something won't go the way you're hoping. And so I just say practice it ahead of time sometimes you might think oh I can just substitute this for that and it'll work but you might realize oh it doesn't actually work I need to go find the thing that the book told me to get so definitely practice the science experiment you also here's where you want to take a page from people who do magic tricks because there's this thing when people do magic tricks they have something called patter. And the patter is what they call the, like, what's being said while the magic trick is being done. And during your science experiment, you want to practice your patter. What are you saying? When are you talking about the different points of the science experiment that relate to the Bible story or the scripture or to who God is? Practice that ahead of time out loud. As you do the experiment, so you kind of know where your hands are going, what you are saying at the same time, and you aren't lost in the middle of doing this experiment and you go quiet all of a sudden and you're focusing on the experiment. The kids are kind of looking at you like, what's happening now? So plan to practice.
1: Yeah, the second thing is plan to prepare. So while most of the items in these experiment books, like we mentioned, we've been able to find at the dollar store or at a grocery store. Sometimes you do have to order things in specially. So make sure you prepare ahead of time. Give yourself plenty of time to order the things you're going to need.
0: Yeah. And then number three, I would say plan for safety. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) If you are using chemicals at all, even if it's just something like vinegar and baking soda, which a lot of science experiments will use, you still wanna make sure that you plan for safety. So what do I mean by that? plan a safe distance if you are doing a science experiment that's a little risky or involves anything that might be kind of messy i would say put a safe distance between yourself and the kids as well as make sure you wear proper safety gear that you might need like goggles or gloves you can find goggles and gloves online for super cheap you can buy them in packs or get them just you know single use whatever you need but definitely plan to be safe If there are safety instructions in science experiments you're using, you wanna read those very carefully and make sure that it's not gonna be harmful to any of the people in the room. The other thing I would mention is sometimes there could be allergens used in some science experiments. So I would say you definitely want to consult with your children's ministry, the little book that you keep track of allergies and things. Just consult with it. Make sure that there's not going to be an issue of any kind with allergens because that is something you want to definitely avoid.
1: Yeah, so the fourth thing is plan for cleanup. <laughs> and I, this could almost go at the beginning. Like, make sure that you've got a drop cloth if you're blowing stuff up. <laughs> uh, definitely think ahead of time. So if you have an experiment that might stain things, make sure you buy a cheap tablecloth at the dollar store to put down the floor. You know, keep keep cleaning supplies handy for the spills that are inevitable. And also plan to have hand wipes for the kids if they're a part of the experiment in any way. It'll save you trips to the bathroom, let me tell you.
0: (laughs) Millions of trips to them all lined up at the sink washing their hands. Yeah,
1: hand wipes have saved us many times.
0: Yes, and number five, I would say plan to adapt. So I know this is maybe, I'm not about to say the most warm and fuzzy thing, (laughs) but the truth is that your science experiments sometimes might not go the way you want. Oh really? <laughs> or it might not work at all. So
1: like the lemon. <laughs> the lemon.
0: So last Sunday, we're working on this science experiment and it was a classic. You have your lemon, you have your wire, you stick a paper clip into the lemon, you stick a copper a multi tool. A <laughs> <Yeah>, multi tool. <laughs> You stick a copper coin into the lemon and then you connect it with the wires to a digital clock. And hopefully, if you have your two lemons, you have your two paper clips, your two pennies, and then you have your wires all connecting it all together, it's supposed to light up the clock. At least you hope. Well, yeah, we <laughs> hope. So I was sitting there as our Sunday school teacher is teaching the lesson. I'm sitting there trying to get this science experiment ready and. It's not working. Nope. And I realize, oh, the digital clock I bought is too powerful for, to be powered just by two lemons. <laughs> and I needed one that didn't use three batteries, but one that only needed one battery.
1: for those clocks. <laughs> yeah,
0: for real. So this lemon experiment, I'm sitting there trying to do it, put it all together, and here's the thing about the lemon experiment. When you put a paperclip that is steel and a copper coin into the lemon, it causes a chemical reaction that creates electricity. And so all of a sudden, the paperclip heated up in my hand, and I was like, yowch, and I dropped it on the table because guess what I wasn't doing. I wasn't wearing gloves. (laughs) I'm thinking about safety. So we had to adapt, and we talked about how the lemon... Was What it was supposed to do and what it was supposed to happen. And then we tied it into talking about why does sometimes, like when we are looking for God's help, we think we're not getting God's help. Like, why does it seem like sometimes things go wrong in life? And so we were able to turn it into a conversation that was a little bit different than what the book was telling us to talk about. But it ended up being a really great conversation. And the kids had a great time talking about when things go wrong in life
1: yeah i was thinking i mean if you don't end up going into a what what do you do when things go wrong in life conversation the other thing you can do is just roll with it laugh about it be like you know sometimes it doesn't work out but but here's what this would look like normally yeah. and it, just explain it to them be animated explain it to them and then move along
0: yes just adapt and move to the next thing We hope this gives you the courage to use science experiments in your children's ministry. Science experiments are so visual, they help kids explore the universe God has created, and they really stick in the minds of kids. We have several experiments we've done over the last year that we put on display in our children's ministry area so kids could look back at them and remember what we discovered about God together through looking at God's world and God's word. So I hope you have some fun with some science experiments yeah. in the near future. Try it out. See how it goes. And maybe you'll find a new segment for your Sunday school or your children's ministry kids church. If you like what you've been hearing, leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. You can also find us on Instagram for set photos and more ideas at the Kidman Creatives. You can also visit us online at the where you'll find all of our past episodes as well as resources and freebies you can use in your Kidmin today. The Kidmin Creatives is a podcast hosted by Sean and Sarah Stevenson. Scripture quotations are taken from the Holy Bible, New Living Translation, copyright 1996-2004-2015 by Tyndale House Foundation. Used by permission of Tyndale House Publishers, Inc., Carroll Stream, Illinois, 60188. All rights reserved. Until next time, bye everybody!